of the day, soulmates. We have made it to yet another Friday, January 27th. Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk each day to take you on a journey across black America and the stories that impact our people. That's right. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice topping the news today. Everyone's talking about it. The five former Memphis police officers are now facing charges in connection with the beating death of Tyree Nichols. That's right. The case has sparked outrage for the brutality. Fox's Lauren Blanchard has the latest on the case. Thank you that he is at a type of rest, that he never has to face again the evils in this world. A community is mourning the loss of a young father in Memphis. Thursday, five now former police officers were indicted by a grand jury in the death of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols on charges including second-degree murder, aggravated assault and kidnapping, and official misconduct and oppression. If there is any silver lining to be drawn from this very dark cloud, it's that perhaps this incident can open a broader conversation about the need for police reform. Nichols was pulled over on January 7th. According to his family, video of the incident shows the officers beating him for three minutes. He died three days later. He was a human pinata for those police officers. Unlike in the George Floyd case, which sparked months of protests, all five of the officers in this case are black. Attorneys for two of the charged say they will plead not guilty. The law says that no one is guilty until a jury says they're guilty. And so that's, that's a process. The body cam footage will be publicly released Friday evening. Frankly, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm sickened by what I saw. The family and authorities are calling for protests to remain peaceful. President Biden echoed that call, writing, Tyree's death is a painful reminder that we must do more to ensure that our criminal justice system lives up to the promise of fair and impartial justice, equal treatment and dignity for all. Thanks to Lauren Blanchard for that report. There will be a funeral service held for Nichols next week. So from Memphis now to Georgia, where the governor has put the entire state under a state of emergency, mobilizing up to 1,000 National Guards in preparation for potential upcoming police protests. Now, last week, protesters turned violent uh, in downtown Atlanta, throwing rocks, damaging a handful of buildings and police cars, one of which was actually set on fire. Now, they uh, were upset over a planned police training facility and killing of an activist who police say shot a state trooper during a sweep. Governor Kemp says the state of emergency is needed to quell any, quote, unlawful assemblage, violence or overt threats of violence. It's the end of that quote. Now, the state of emergency will remain in effect until February 9th. A federal jury has found that a white Ohio police officer did not violate a black teenager's civil rights when he shot and killed the boy while responding to a reported armed robbery. Columbus officer Brian Mason shot 13-year-old Tyree King in the head and torso on September 14, 2016, as the teen ran from police and after King reached for what police later discovered was a BB gun in his waistband. The suit also named the city and its police department as defendants, but a federal judge ruled last summer that there is no evidence the city and the police department violated Tyree's civil rights, meaning they could not be held legally liable. 
And a follow-up to a story we brought you about a week ago, the Newport News School Board votes to relieve its district superintendent of his duties after an investigation reveals the administration had warning that a six-year-old student had a gun before he reportedly shot his teacher. Now, this news comes after it became public that the Rich Neck Elementary School administration knew that that, 60, that six-year-old student was armed and was a threat. Now, according to reports, hours before the shooting, school officials had been warned that the young student was threatening students and was seen with a gun. Superintendent George Parks last day will be February 1st. It is unclear how the child gained access to that gun. In Michigan, a Jackson County School Board member is facing backlash for a series of tweets in which she calls white people and whiteness evil. The tweets by Keisha Hamilton were shared on TikTok by a parent. However, Hamilton says she's standing by what she said and won't be apologizing. Hamilton, in a statement, said that uh, the comments about whiteness were regarding systemic racism and racist and not white people as a whole. During a recent public comment meeting, parents on both sides voiced their opposition and support for Hamilton. No word on if disciplinary action will be taken. Is this a matter of something being taken and or understood out of context? Your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, perhaps. I mean, we all use shorthand language, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes it translates to our social media posts. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, she came out and explained herself. And, you know, let's not act like right now uh, there aren't a lot of tempers flared uh, over call-outs related to white supremacy, mm -hmm. white supremacy violence, you know, whiteness, systemic racism. These are all the buzzwords mm -hmm. that have a lot white of people right. riled up mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that may be part of what people are responding to. Mm -hmm. Going back to uh, uh, the Memphis uh, story, uh, we've been watching that, uh, keeping tabs on that press conference uh, all morning long, a rather lengthy uh, press conference. I do like to dive into the comments as I see, you know, some folks, you know, don't want to play the race card. Some folks are saying that they feel that the swift action uh, of these uh, police officers being brought uh, to justice has to do with the fact that they, that they are black. Um, and so there's a lot of sub-conversations, if you will, happening uh, around uh, color and this being uh, black on black. Uh, real, real interesting uh, to, to hear your thoughts of you, as you've been really keeping tabs with this and we've been chatting kind of off camera about this different type of dynamic here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just this morning in the office, you know, I've been watching the press conference mm -hmm. uh, uh, with Bill Crump and the mother of Tyree Nichols, the father of Tyree Nichols, mm -hmm. and really hard to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, as as a black man, um, you know, I, you can't help but but. Uh, but report on these stories and follow these stories. Um, and, you know, you take them home, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, we're talking about a community that we're a part of. That's right. Uh, and, and that makes it a little bit difficult. But, you know, Ben Crump uh, this morning really uh, zeroed in on the culture of policing. And one of the things he said during that press conference is that we've got to call out the culture. And so I think there are some people that will look at this and say, see, mm -hmm. these were five black officers. These weren't even white officers, right. you know, and look what they did, right? And there are folks out there that will say, you know, well, you know, black people, you first, you know, you, why don't you reform yourselves first, mm -hmm. you know, before coming after white police officers. Uh, and I think uh, Ben Crump's 
uh, argument during the press conference this morning really got to the heart of that. It's the culture of policing and the culture, as he said, it must respect policy just as much as it respects the community. Uh, and we're not there yet. We just heard uh, the White House press secretary had shared a statement uh, from President Biden uh, as everybody's waiting for this video to be released mm -hmm. uh, later this evening. And you know, she reminded folks that the president had supported the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, mm -hmm. which didn't get a Senate vote, uh, and as a result, signed an executive order to address the issue. But that only touches federal law enforcement, not mm -hmm. state and local law enforcement. So we have a long way to go, but the culture of policing will be on trial. Make no mistake about it. Blue taking a president over black uh, this go around, at least this case, it appears. Okay, we're going to keep our eye on that and move on right now. As some most, some of the most influential organizations have penned an open letter calling for increased funding for black feminist organizations. Some of those organizations uh, include Melinda Gates's uh, Pivotal Ventures, Rihanna's Clara Lionel Foundation, as well as the Ford Foundation and MacArthur Foundation. Now they say it's time to fund black feminist movements like we want them to win because across most urgent global challenges, black feminists are dreaming and delivering the solutions we need. We already heard that before. Now, the Black Feminist Fund is looking to raise $100 million to support nonprofits led by black women who have been historically underfunded in philanthropy efforts. Now, the fund, which launched in 2021, has raised $35 million of its goal so far. With the introduction of new legislation heading to the desk of Minnesota's governor, the state could become the 20th in the country to ban racial discrimination based on hair. The measure, titled HF37, would expand the definition of race under Minnesota's Human Rights Act to cover race-related characteristics such as hair. The state's existing anti-discrimination laws ban bias in the workplace, housing, public accommodation, and other settings against a list of protected classes, including race, religion, and sex. The bill goes to Governor Tim Walz after winning final passage this week in the Senate by a 45 to 19 vote. And we are learning more about what may have led to a physical confrontation in a classroom between a teacher and a student at Richmond High School earlier this week. Sources say a student said a racial slur to the substitute teacher who is black. Another student captured what happened next on video. Take a look. That teacher uh, slammed the student to the ground, then put the student out of the classroom. This week, students led by the uh, Black Student Union held a protest in response to the use of the racial slur. Now, the substitute teacher was or has since been fired. No word on if any charges will be filed. Two female travelers are out of police custody after being arrested at the Miami International Airport following an altercation with an airline worker. The aftermath was caught on camera by other passengers in the terminal. Take a look.
see officers pinning down the two women who were trying to take off from the scene. Police tell us uh, that it all started at a Frontier Airlines ticket counter where an airline employee informed the two women that they could not board their flight to Atlanta because they were 45 minutes late. The two women, both from Durham, North Carolina, were released from jail after posting $500 bond each. They are due back in Florida court on February 23rd. Courtney, caught another example <laughs> of adults behaving badly. Yeah, caught on tape. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, back to the classroom, there seems like there's something com coming out almost daily uh, where students inside the classroom have caught, uh, you know, interactions either between students themselves or, uh, you know, between a teacher and student. I just saw one before we uh, came downstairs. It was a, a, a black female student and a black female teacher. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure on what the exchange was all about, but it definitely got uh, physical. You know, there's this argument that, you know, teachers have to take on more than they should. Uh, as far as, you know, self-discipline and the way that these students act outside of the home should come from the home as to how they should c conduct themselves. It's a tough argument and, and there are a lot on teachers and I'm not condoning putting hands on students, um, but I can also see how, you know, these teachers are just fed all the way up. And, um, you know, what is the dialogue? What is the solution-based dialogue to the way that these students appear to be acting or acting out uh, by way of, of, of these videos that we, we, we see. And also, what is our social compact with one another? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, school, the climate on school campuses mm -hmm. across the country, uh, I think we have, we have to take a serious look at that. Mm -hmm. It's not just a school over here or a school over there, and we can't act like what's happening on our school campuses mm -hmm. uh, is completely divorced from what's happening in our communities. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, That's a good we're, point. we're not even 10 minutes into the show and, you know, look at the stories that we've reported on, yeah, pretty heavy. you know, issues related to overuse of force by law enforcement, mm -hmm. you know, uh, again and again and again. And we can't think that that doesn't trickle into our schools. And mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, you know, we should see what's happening in our school as just another canary in the coal mine that's yeah. saying, hey, America, you know, we need we need to bring the temperature down. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to dial some of this rhetoric back because it's making our kids unsafe. I mean, you know, we just reported on uh, the school teacher in Virginia that was shot by a six year old. That's right. You know, how often have we reported on young kids shooting teachers? That's how bad uh, it appears to be getting. And so we can't look at these as a, as a, a series of one offs. We've got to see them as interconnected as and do more to address it. Mm -hmm. I agree. Still ahead, Wells Fargo is having even more legal issues regarding their discrimination practices for home appraisals. Plus, the changes coming from the FDA for blood donation. Those stories and more when we return. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Wells Fargo Bank failed to shake off Fair Housing Act and federal civil rights claims brought by a black couple who alleged the company lowballed their refinancing appraisal 
due to their race. Oh, Wells Fargo. Okay, so a U.S. District Court judge ruled that Bridget and Joseph Washington can proceed with their claims of racial discrimination under North Carolina's consumer protection law. Now, according to the complaint, Wells Fargo initially estimated the value of their home at $525,000, but also required an in-person appraisal. The appraisal company valued the home at $480,000, which is $10,000 less than the 2018 appraisal. Now, despite the fact that values in the area had increased in the past several years, according to the complaint shortly afterwards, that couple applied to refinance with another company without disclosing their race, resulting in an appraisal of $540,000. Emergency benefits that have helped boost payments to SNAP recipients during the COVID-19 pandemic are set to end soon, leaving families with less money and high grocery prices. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food Nutrition Service, in 17 states, those added emergency benefits have already expired as of January. In the remaining 32 states, plus Washington, D.C., Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, the extra money will dry up starting with the March 2023 benefit month. Nationally, the minimum benefit is 20 bucks a month. And more stats for you here, Soulmates. As according to the recent U.S. Census Bureau data, there are currently 38 million people living in poverty and 21 million are women. Black women represent over 22% of women in poverty, but only account for 12% of all women in the U.S. population. While there are many contributing factors, such as rising costs, financial burdens from medical and or child care expenses, and debt that uh, led to such cases, there are also underlying discriminatory practices that uniquely impact the economic state of black women. Now, for black families, home ownership is power, but to often uh, out of reach for black women who are 256% more likely to receive a subprime mortgage than their white counterparts with the same credit score and economic position. A massive coordinated scheme to sell false and fraudulent nursing degrees credentials have been brought down by a joint federal law enforcement operation. The sweeping enforcement action spanned five states, including Florida, New York, New Jersey, Texas, and Delaware, and resulted in more than two dozen criminal wire fraud and wire fraud conspiracy charges against 25 individuals. Officials said nursing candidates who allegedly participated paid as much as $15,000 for the fraudulent diplomas. Officials said the conspiracy involved the distribution of over 7,600 fake nursing diplomas and certificates issued by a Florida-based nursing program. Oh, and, you know, if you have a loved one in a nursing facility, mm -hmm. uh, hearing this story may be very hard to hear, mm -hmm. uh, to think that there just might be a nursing home uh, uh, staff uh, that has not been properly trained and has been operating off of a fraudulent credential uh, certainly doesn't give me comfort. And, and, you know, and are clearly uh, not qualified or, or, or would fall short in, in whatever, you know, specialty they're claiming to be, you know, trained in. This is actually horrific because now you're talking about people's lives and people's well-being and you're talking about the, the trust of a patient and, and a patient's family. Uh, and I, I just don't understand how people think that, you know, it, it's okay, one, to, to do this and then participate in not thinking that eventually something wouldn't blow and you wouldn't be caught and or caught 
caught up. And so it's just very uh, unfortunate. And uh, I'm glad, uh, you know, they've been able to get a handle on this and, um, you know, tap into these uh, nurses who, who are, in fact, not nurses and don't need to be, you know, claiming to be such and, and cleaning that, that, that system out, if you will. And, Courtney, you know, when I first read this story, uh, I thought a lot about the darkest days of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And remember when there were loved ones that were in nursing homes that could not visit with their, their relatives, they couldn't see their loved one up close. At some point, people were able to look at them through a glass window, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, but think about how many folks were in these nursing homes with folks that were operating with these fraudulent credentials. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, with all the, the lives that were lost uh, during the darkest yeah, days of the pandemic, with that. You, know, you know, was there a connection between folks that were ill-equipped to care for them uh, and, you know, this, this scandal that the DOJ has, has uh has brought Uncovered. to light. On the other side of it, there are some amazing nurses. I know during during my health crisis, I, I wouldn't be here without the nurses. Appreciate the doctors, but it was the day to day that, that the nurses were able to tap in and really uh, help bring me on out of that situation. So we love our nurses. This is just an unfortunate, unfortunate uh, situation. We're gonna move on here as gay and bisexual men in monogamous relationships would no longer be forced to abstain from sex to donate blood under federal guidelines. It's ending an era of the early days of the AIDS crisis. The proposed relaxation of these restrictions by the FDA follows years of pressure by blood banks, the American Medical Association, and LGBTQ rights organizations to abandon rules some experts say are outdated, homophobic, and ineffective at keeping the nation's blood supply safe. Sources also say there is no exception for people taking daily pills that drastically reduce the risk of contracting HIV. There's no exception for those who consistently wear condoms and for those who can present a negative HIV test. A coalition of disability and civil rights advocates is suing the California Supreme Court to block the rollout of Governor Gavin Newsom's far-reaching new plan to address severe mental illness by compelling treatment for thousands of people. The groups argue that the sweeping new court system will violate due process and equal protection under the state constitution while, quotes, needlessly burdening fundamental rights to privacy, autonomy, and liberty. Governor Newsom's spokesperson said efforts to delay or block the law's implementation would needlessly extend the suffering of those who desperately need our help. Newsom announced Care Court last spring as a new strategy to help an estimated 7,000 to 12,000 Californians struggling with severe mental health disorders like schizophrenia, access to housing, treatment, and mental health services. And a team of researchers found that black and Hispanic veterans waited longer for some medical services at Veteran Affairs hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic than their white counterparts. Now, those researchers who worked with the VA uh, included in the study their analysis. Uh, over one million veterans who access services at VA facilities and focused on wait times for orthopedic and cardiology services. They found wait times for all racial groups increased during the pandemic years, but that the wait times were even longer for black and Hispanic veterans. Now, according uh, to that analysis, on average, black and Hispanic veterans waited 2.5 days longer to access orthopedic services compared to their white counterparts. 
Black Americans are 40% more likely to have asthma than white Americans. Black children are five times more likely to be hospitalized for the chronic lung condition. And while asthma-related deaths are decreasing overall, they remain most common among black Americans. These disparities make the contentious debate over banning gas stoves a particularly important one in black communities. The kitchen appliance is known to emit dangerous pollutants like carbon monoxide, nitrogen dioxide, and formaldehyde, though research varies on how much those emissions affect asthma rates. California committed to phasing out natural gas furnaces and heaters by 2030. The District of Columbia and New York State are considering similar bans. Hmm. I don't know. Listen, uh, I, lots of us grew up, <laughs> uh, you know, cooking on or, or being nearby uh, gas stoves. I happen to prefer the way uh, gas cooks over um, electric heat. I do understand, you know, what these new um, reports and, and analysis are, are saying. Um, I happen to think that as far as the, the, the asthma rates among black folks, historically it had to do with, you know, we were factory. We were we were blue collar workers and we lived close by, uh, you know, these factories in, in, you know, in these cities, especially when, you know, we migrated from the south up to the north. And I think environmentally that may have a lot more to do with uh, the, the fact that we 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 have uh, such issues with uh, respiratory issues and, and asthma, things like that, more so than, than, than the gas. Um, of course, you want to take note and hear what the experts are saying, but, uh, you know, generation on top of generation on top generation has you know been if you will born and raised when it comes to, to using gas uh, you know in their homes so I hear them but I think that's going to be a, a, a bit of, uh, of a tough task to get people to flip I think so gas is cheaper too it is it, and, and I think you know so many so many good cooks you know <laughs> uh, prefer a gas oven but oh, yeah. uh, I think you're gonna see the, this call for a federal ban to, mm -hmm. to continue mm -hmm. uh, the president has come out and has not uh, suggested that he supports a federal ban, but I know there are Democrats uh, in uh, Congress, like Senator Cory Booker, mm -hmm. uh, that uh, appears to support uh, a ban. Uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, let's just limit how, how many gas stoves uh, that are out there. Let's start there. Let's start with, you know, federal public housing facilities mm -hmm. uh, where uh, there is some research that suggests that it may impact the health of black kids. And so I think there's still so much more to study, mm -hmm. but, you know, my husband has asthma mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, it's nothing fun. And so if there's anything we can do uh, to, to, minimize. to minimize it, mm -hmm. uh, why not? I'd agree. That's going to be a hard sale, though. <laughs> All right. There's so much more to come on Fox Souls Black Report. Including one school that's canceling all of its Black History Month events. We'll tell oh, wow. you why when we return. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. Welcome back, Soulmates. It's that time where we run back today's uh, top stories just in case you are joining us. And we begin, of course, in Memphis as all five officers in the Tyree Nichols case have been charged with murder. This comes as law enforcement around the country prepare for the release of body cam footage this evening. The uh, Memphis police chief says it shows five of their former officers beating Tyree Nichols during a traffic stop. The 29-year-old died just days after the incident. 
All five Memphis officers have been fired and are facing second degree murder and aggravated assault charges. The governor of Georgia has put the entire state under a state of emergency, mobilizing up to 1,000 guardsmen in in preparation for potential upcoming police protests. Now, just last week, protesters uh, turned violent in downtown Atlanta, throwing rocks, damaging a handful of buildings and uh, police cars, one of which was uh, set on fire. Uh, they were upset over a planned police training facility and the killing of an activist who police say shot a state trooper during a sweep. The uh, state of emergency will remain in effect until February the 9th. And Wells Fargo is headed back to court to face black homeowners in bias lawsuits over appraisals. Fair Housing Act and federal civil rights filed the suit following claims brought by a black couple who alleged the company lowballed their refinancing appraisal due to their race. Now, the Washington's suit is part of a wave of litigation, including including a consolidated class action in federal court in California, accusing Wells Fargo of discrimination in refinancing. And finally, emergency benefits that have helped boost payments to SNAP recipients during the COVID-19 pandemic are set to end soon, leaving families with less money and higher grocery prices. Now, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food and Nutrition Service, in 17 states, those added emergency benefits have already expired as of January of uh, 2023. Uh, in the remaining 32 states, plus Washington, D.C., Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, the extra money will dry up starting uh, next month, or uh, March of 23, rather, uh, benefit uh, month. Nationally, the minimum benefit is 20 bucks a month. Nicola. Thanks, Courtney. Now off to Haiti, where protesters and some police officers protested at the official residence of Haiti's prime minister in the capital of Port-au-Prince in response to the recent killings of police. Social media images appeared to show protesters outside the prime minister's residence and at the country's main airport. This all comes amid widespread gang violence in the country and the killings of several police officers in the line of duty this week. Prime Minister Ariel Henry, who was returning to Haiti from a summit in Argentina, was not at his residence during the incident. He has not commented publicly on the demonstrations. And it looks like history around the world is uh, struggling with the truth. Australians have marked the 235th anniversary of uh, British colonization with a public holiday that is evoking anger and indigenous injustice. Now, the push is to acknowledge Australia's first inhabitants in the Constitution. There are growing public calls to change the date of Australia Day, which is known to many indigenous people as Invasion Day and Survival day because of the disastrous impacts on First Nations people of British colonists taking their land without a treaty. Now, the government joined several large corporations in allowing staff the choice of taking the holiday off or working and taking another day off instead. Nicholas Perkins, a graduate of Howard University and Fayetteville State University, is making history as the new owner of the international Fuddruckers restaurant brand. As a former franchisee, Perkins, who now acquired 
It was now acquired all 92 of the company's restaurants in the U.S., Canada, Panama, and Mexico for a total of $18.5 million through his affiliate, Black Titan Franchise Systems, LLC. Perkins plans to expand the brand and bring in new franchisees, both domestically and internationally, as well as seeking strategic marketing partnership opportunities to grow and sustain the brand long term. All right, good for him. To Alabama now, where multiple schools in the state have canceled events featuring black award-winning New York Times best-selling children's author Derek Barnes. Barnes says events scheduled to take place during Black History Month in Hoover and Alabama Baxter City schools were canceled without explanation. He believes the cancellations were political and motivated by ignorance and fear. Alabaster City Schools has not yet responded for requests for comments, and a representative of a Hoover City Schools said the cancellations were due to a contract issue. The ex-Florida recruit who had a scholarship pulled for dropping the N-word in a video has received an offer from HBCU. Marcus Stokes tweeted that he received an offer from Albany State University, a public historically black university in Albany, Georgia. The Albany State Golden Rams play in Division II. The team was 7-3 overall and 5-2 in Southern uh, Intercollegiate Athletic Conference play. Uh, the program finished in third place in the conference behind defeated Benedict and Fort Valley State. Now, Stokes played quarterback for Nice High School in Point Vedra Beach, Florida, and is expected to visit Albany State next week. Hmm. We talked a little bit about this, you know, upstairs before, you know, we, we came on down to do uh, the show. And I think it goes back to the conversation, first and foremost, of... You know, we're saying on one hand, the N-word is never okay to use, you know, even, you know, amongst our culture um, versus, you know, it being a part of the lyrics. And uh, he was sitting in his car. He was, you know, mouthing along with, with a rap record that, that said the word, the N-word. And, you know, you had this trickle out uh, effect. So I think the conversation starts there <laughs> in regards to, you know, the use of the N-word outside of maybe lyrics as, as, as to how he used it. And then I find it very interesting and ironic that an HBCU said, you know, we feel a little differently about you know, the accusations and we want to, you know, offer him a scholarship to come play. Obviously, he was uh, a talented player. He was originally recruited by a Division I school quarterback. Um, I don't know, a lot of people siding on different uh, sides of the fence on this one. I think part of what makes this story so interesting uh, and sets it apart from, you know, other stories where we've heard folks, you know, using, uh, you know, the N-word and engaging in racial violence uh, and, uh, and, and everything of the, su of the such. Uh, I think what makes this story different is that he's going to an HBCU. And so the conversation that we're having right now, mm -hmm. I would imagine, uh, fasten your seatbelt and get ready because <laughs> you go have a lot of these conversations at the HBCU. And so in some ways, I don't know if this could be a, a demonstration of restorative justice. You know, what does it look like uh, to atone for, you know, having used language uh, that has created harm? Um, well, in his case, you go to an HBCU uh, and you uh, get into community with folks that are there uh, and you work through it. And so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that HBCU experience, um, how it affects him and how it uh, 
uh, you know, changes his perspective, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, if he decides to go, because they say he's just going for a visit, he's been offered a scholarship. But I, I still think at the beginnings of the conversation resides in this usage of N-word, of the N-word, you know, inside of, of some of these lyrics and, and, and you know, that uh, everybody has a tendency to listen to because uh, hip-hop hip is, is uh, you know, is uh, rock music at this point. These hip-hop artists are rock stars and the language that's being used is being used. And so when you, you know, how do you go about differenti uh, differentiating when, you know, if, if it's ever okay, when it's okay or when it's not okay based upon them being used lyrically is what I'm saying, it's gonna, is, which is what he was mouthing. It's gonna be interesting to see how this debate continues mm -hmm. and if this debate transforms at all because you know we're living in a, a time where tensions are high where mm -hmm. we're seeing examples of white supremacy violence uh, again and again and again uh, there are folks that are organizing uh, for racial justice and so the sensitivities are definitely um, high mm -hmm. uh, uh, and we'll see what people make of that do people sort of adjust their language adjust their behavior uh, or tolerance not. or not all right keeping with uh, HBCUs TSU is hoping for grant for a Grammy win next week for their critically acclaimed gospel album the HBCUs record nomination for best roots gospel album marks the first time a college marching band has been nominated in this category it would be especially significant that the honor went to an HBCU where marching bands are often an essential part of the school's identity and culture. The Urban Hymnal, that's the name of the album, includes new arrangements of classic hymns and new tracks written especially for the album and features Fred Hammond, John P. Key, Ja'Kalen Carr, Kiara Sheed Kelly, and more. The Grammys air next Sunday, February 5th. Good luck. And more HBCU news for you, uh, this time with the Home Depot, where they're reporting that it will increase its investment in historically black colleges and universities to $4 million in 2023 by launching an expanded range of community projects and career resources for students in its Retool Your School program. The vote-based Retool Your School Campus Improvement Grant is expected to support 30 campuses this year with grants ranging from $40,000 to $150,000 per school. This is according to officials over at the Home Depot. HBCU students and alumni and advocates can vote for their favorite HBCUs online, on Twitter, or Instagram using the school's designated hashtag found at retoolyourschool.com. <laughs> Applications are currently open and close February 10th. That's a great program. I used to work with them. All right, the Grays Foundation is expected to honor the founder of the National Negro Opera Company ahead of Black History Month. They're doing so by launching Hidden Voices, which is an education and advocacy initiative initiative of uh, the Denise Graves Foundation and will tell the stories of diverse classical vocal artists whose stories have been omitted from American history, especially Mary Cardwell Dawson of the Negro Opera Company. Final performances of the tribute will take place this weekend at the Kennedy Center. And it's good to, to see stories like this. There are, there are so many um, 
hidden figures uh, in that particular realm of music. You know, we, we get down soulfully and R&B and jazz, but when, when it comes to classically trained, you know, African-Americans, sometimes you, you don't hear too much about them. I studied uh, classical music, so, so it's, it's been a passion of mine. And they are, they are there, but once again, it's, it's on us to discover them. So it's, it's, it's good to hear about programs like this that are putting them out, you know, on the, on the front lines. And, and speaking of really good programs, I just want to go back to the HBCU mm -hmm. Home Depot program, mm -hmm. uh, RetoolYourSchool.com. Yes. Uh, that's where you all can go to vote. Um, you know, we've just been, we've been talking a lot about uh, Ed Reed mm -hmm. this week mm -hmm. and uh, 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 the students over at Bethune Cookman, uh, and you know, these sorts of dollars can go really far. If anything, you know, they can help to to rebuild trust and confidence uh, that you know these schools are not just investing in students but they're investing in the infrastructure mm -hmm. that uh, uh, so badly needs to be updated and so it's good to see that there's a company that is stepping up stepping forward uh, and uh, making it fun in a very fun way they're investing in yeah. our HBCUs it's an action-based campaign so you, you got to vote and you got to be down for your school and uh, put a vote in so they can they can win that money. It is, a, it's, it is a fun program. All right, still ahead, one R&B singer is in hot water for what he owes in back taxes. We'll tell you who it is and just how much he's going to have to pony up. You're watching Voxel's <laughs> Black Report. Oh, have mercy. <laughs> The family of the late rapper Nipsey Hussle will head to trial in April over the custody of his 14-year-old daughter, Imani. Yeah, the ongoing case will see Nipsey's brother, older brother Sam, and the family face off against Imani's mother, Tanisha Foster. Now, the family is seeking to officially gain guardianship of Imani, citing Foster's history of alcohol and drug issues as reasons for her uh, being unfit to parent. Foster, however, has filed her own custody claim, stating financial limitations and a desire to maintain Imani's standard of living as reasons for her initial agreement. That trial will begin April 27th. Now let's get into a story that raises concerns about privacy and civil rights. The NYPD filmed concert goers without their consent leaving a Drake concert at Manhattan's Apollo Theater, sparking concerns among privacy advocates. The department says the footage would only be used for a social media post, but people are still asking for it to be taken down. The Surveillance Technology Oversight Project, a group that focuses on privacy and civil rights, deemed the videotaping, quote, highly concerning and demanded that the video be destroyed as attendees were being surveilled without their consent. Mm, you gotta let people know what's happening. Yeah. I think, I believe. I mean, you know, e even when, you know, uh, there are professionals that are mm -hmm. filming mm -hmm. in public places, there is signage that says mm -hmm. you're walking into an yes. area where, you know, filming will be mm -hmm. taken, taking place. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's called a group consent or something mm -hmm. like a disclaimer. that. Disclaimer. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, the fact that they didn't have that and they were just filming people, I mean, why all of a sudden, 
is NYPD filming folks coming out of a Drake concert. You're telling me that NYD, NYPD police officers don't got <laughs> nothing better to do in the nation's largest city than to be outside the Drake concert filming concert goers. Were they trying to get into the Drake concert Listen. and they couldn't get in and so they, they just stayed outside? But, Listen. you know, it is a little suspicious. But all of this facial recognition and being wrongly accused. How many stories just the past week folks have been locked up and can't prove that they've been, you know, uh, wrongly accused. It's just mistaken it's just, identity. Mistaken identity is just too much going on. And then, of course, on the lighter side of that, if you dig into the comments, <laughs> reasons as to why you might not want to be seen going in and out of a Drake concert, whether it be because you were there with somebody you had no business being there with or, or you had no business being there yourself. So a lot's happening uh, across, uh, you know, the spectrum with this particular uh, story. But you got to let folks know what's happening. You know what? You, you know, absolutely. It's called a disclaimer. You absolutely have to. You know what I'm wondering? Hmm. I'm wondering what the mayor thinks about this. When the mayor saw this story, yeah. you know, you know, what did he think? He's a former police officer yeah. himself, right? He, and he's a pretty witted did, dude. Kind did of he think this cat? was a little strange? Did he think this Probably. was okay? I mean, and were those police officers on overtime? Hmm. I mean, look, these are important questions. And yes. I'm sure I'm sure some of our soulmates out there may be digging into it. Yeah, speaking of, of digging into something, 2 Chains has made a shocking discovery in his home as a stash of cash hidden by his late father has been discovered. The rapper shared this discovery in a YouTube video. And uh, as he is seen, look at there, running his hands through the bag of dollar bills, explaining <laughs> how he discovered the stash while fixing a broken pipe in the basement. So like two chains was fixing the pipe. He could okay two chains. Uh, he actually had a complex relationship with his father, who uh, passed away back in 2012 as he was preparing to release an album. All right, Courtney. As two chains discovers a hidden cash stash, another rapper is facing financial troubles. According to reports, Chris Brown is facing a pretty large tax bill from the IRS. Court documents show that Brown was hit with a federal tax lien for a total of, get this, $4,044,596.76 in taxes. If these debts go unpaid, the government could move in to take Brown's Tarzana, California home and assets including his business. Chris Brown's team has not yet commented on this tax issue. However, it's not uncommon for rappers to run into tax problems. I would add it's not uh, very uncommon for a lot of artists mm -hmm. uh, to run into tax problems uh, while they're living in uh, their estates once mm -hmm. they're deceased. Listen, I just saw a post, I don't know if it was, it had to be Chris maybe, of he does not have a closet. He has a room <laughs> full, of, full of clothing. So if he just sort of kind of maybe like returned some of that clothing or maybe sold it or put it up for auction, he could probably uh, take care of that bill. But you're right, uh, these artists have to, you know, really, uh, you know, watch it and take care of their money and and they become like machines especially when you get into pop stars like a Chris you know there's so many handlers involved and and so you know I can see how it can be challenging to stay on top uh, of your finances but when you hire people to do such um, you know 
getting to a situation like this is pretty concerning. That's a lot of money. And, and it money. sounds like a lot of money over a number of years. So, you know, again, is it just negligence and neglect or are the people in his camp, his handlers, not uh, handling uh, their business in regards to what he would be paying them to do? Yeah, and I think Chris Brown and, and artist uh, aside, I think there are a lot of folks in our community that struggle with financial literacy. Um, and sometimes we make the assumption that just mm -hmm. because you made a boatload of money or just because you might be famous that you know uh, how to manage your how money. To handle it, how, right. How, you know how to run a business. You know, you know how to uh, engage in the proper oversight. And mm -hmm. so let this be a cautionary tale to all of our soulmates out there that as we're entering into a new year, you know, let's make sure we get our, not just keep our eye on our finances, mm -hmm. but let's sort of step up our financial literacy so well, we don't find ourselves in similar situations. I hear you. I just can't wait to get to a level to where as I might, oh, the government five four million dollars i ain't got there yet uh, let's shift focus from uh chris and, and his money in the music industry to the world of sports as the houston astros name a longtime scouting executive his name is dana brown as their new general manager this all comes after former gm james clicks contract expired after the team's world series win brown previously served as vice president of scouting for the atlanta braves and for years uh, and had a successful draft in 2019 brown is now the only black gm in the game and owner jim crane says quote he's the perfect fit for us Brown says he plans to continue building and developing players to sustain the team's winning success. That is great to see. All right, despite the success and unity displayed on the field, a disturbing incident occurred off the field. Perpetrators hung a dummy of Real Madrid forward uh, Vinicius Jr. from a highway bridge early Thursday, hours before the team's match against Atletico Madrid in the Copa del Rey. They used a black figure with Junior's name on it, tied a rope around its neck, and hang, hung it from an overpass in Madrid, along with a banner with the words, Madrid consumes real. The black Brazil forward has complained on social media about being targeted more than once by racists since he came to play in Spain. Now, the message on the banner is often used by one of Atletico Madrid's ultra fan groups, though it denied being responsible for the display. So he's been in the news a lot in regards to these uh, racial uh, attacks. And what I just don't understand, um, and I'm not a big soccer person, I know it's, it's huge, uh, especially overseas, is that uh, most of the, the brilliance and the athleticism and the wins come from soccer players of color. And whether if they play for Europe, France, you know, most of them come from Africa and they're of color. And so without most of these players, your teams wouldn't even be in position to play and or win. So I don't understand this racial backlash and this taunting and just these attacks. They just, they just, they, they're just dumbfounded to me. You yeah. wouldn't even have soccer teams if there was no Africa. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's important that we see these, these, these acts of racism as interconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, look at what's happening in the athletic world, not just here at home, but abroad. Look at what's happening in our, our classrooms, not just here, but abroad. Look at what's happening with law enforcement, not just here, but abroad. And so 
when we talk about this sort of global movement for mm -hmm. racial justice, this is another example of why that justice needs to touch the soccer fields of Spain as well. Absolutely. Still ahead, black excellence in art. Oh yeah, we'll introduce you to one young man who is de uh, defying all odds uh, to do what he loves to do. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. All right, soulmates, come close. You gotta listen to the story. A disabled black teen with no use of his arms uses his mouth to create some incredible artwork. Indeed, 17-year-old Lucas Mapeto from South Africa is gaining global attention for his extraordinary talent of being able to draw amazing portraits using only his mouth and a pencil. Lucas was born with a disability that immobilized his hands and feet, and for most of his life, he's been in a wheelchair. However, Lucas says that art for him is his escape from depression. Wow, he has already drawn dozens of portraits, which impressed a lot of people as his Facebook posts sharing his stories have so far garnered 1.5 million reactions. If that ain't some motivation to, you know, keep on and, and find, find other ways and stay persistent and resilient, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's just really incredible. You know, we're both fans of the arts. Mm -hmm. uh, and to see this young person, you know, really find a pathway, you know, out of, you know, sort of the dark place that depression yeah. can, uh, and can lead people. And defy the odds, as we said earlier. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and, and it's just another example that we all have something to offer. Mm -hmm. We all have some innate uh, potential. Yeah. Uh, we all have a light to shine, mm -hmm. and it's wonderful he shines his light through his art. Some good motivation, good energy to bring into the weekend as we've wrapped up another week here on Fox Souls Black Report. We appreciate you so much. Especially considering there's so much heavy, heavy, heavy yeah, news. A lot. We'll be continuing to keep our eye on what's happening mm -hmm. in Memphis, mm -hmm. but uh, until next time, folks, I'm Nicole Corte. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Stay, Stay lifted. lifted.